Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Are you happy about being in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen, amen, amen. What a good God we serve. Amen. I appreciate feeling his touch in this service already. Amen. It is our practice at home that we, we endeavor to make church the most important thing in our life. And uh, we, we have, uh, I have allowed my mother-in-law and my wife to take our kids to Disneyland. And they get excited. I don't go. Uh, it's personal preference. <laughs> uh, but uh, they, they go to Disneyland or wherever, amusement park somewhere. We have a local place called uh, Coasters and Casters or something like that. And they get so excited about going to these things. But we've made it a practice that that's not the most exciting time of your life. The most exciting time of your life is in the presence of God. And so we've made church exciting, not just Sunday school exciting, but we have made church exciting. I want them to be excited about coming to the house of the Lord. Greatest thing we could have on the presence of this earth is the presence of God. Amen. Let's make it the most exciting thing. Let's make it the most exciting thing. Amen, amen, amen. I want my kids to be excited. I want my church family to be excited. I want to be excited about coming to the house of God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. And I am truly excited about being here in this good church. And uh, it is an honor to be here. Thank you, brother and sister Riggin, for all of your hospitality and uh, I appreciate it. My, I told them uh, this morning, uh, my wife and I, a while back, we purchased a new bed, and uh, it cost us about as much as a new car would, and uh, we hate it. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. Both of us hate it. But last night, I'm telling you, I slept, and I slept, and I slept. The last time I was here, I tried to take the hotel towels back with me. This time, I'm going to try to take the mattress <laughs> Amen. But I'm happy to be here and I appreciate their hospitality. They always treat you right. And this church is so exciting to me to see the growth, the progress, the things that the Lord has wrought among us. Amen. Praise God. God bless you for standing. I'm going to hold you standing for just a moment longer. I'm going to read out of the book of Romans tonight. Romans chapter number 12. Good to see Sister Desiree here. She knew me a long time ago. It was so long ago, I was skinny, I had hair, and I had money. That was a long time ago. Amen. But good to see her here tonight. Amen. And all of you others, God bless you. Amen. Reading from Romans chapter number 12, begin reading at verse number 3. Romans chapter 12, and well, let's just go ahead and back up to verse number 1. Verse 1 and 2 are so good you can't pass them up. Verse number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God's a reasonable God. Amen. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us with a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. And it, it, King James, you got to understand, sometimes it, it looks backwards. It looks like they're saying, stop, don't just hold on. It's not saying that. Amen. It's saying exactly what it did in the previous verse and then the verse is following so he's saying prophesy amen according to the proportion of your faith and minister uh, according also or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness and I want to go back to verse number three. And I want to pull from that verse of scripture. Paul said, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has measured something to us. He has measured it to us. And I'm not real big with titles, but I want to give you a title in the form of a question that I would ask you to ponder as I preach tonight. And if God has given to us a measure, the question that I would pose is, what will you do with your measure? What will you do with your measure? I want you to think about that tonight. As we preach and God helps us, think about it. What am I going to do with my measure? Would you lift your voice with me one more time and let's ask the Lord to help us in this service. Lord Jesus, I love you. I ask for your strength tonight, God. I ask, God, that you would visit with us, minister to us, help us tonight, God. I need the strength of the Holy Ghost. I need your hand to help us, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. I love you, God. I ask you to touch us tonight. Would you help us tonight, God? Would you minister in this place tonight, God? I ask you to minister tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just love him one more time with a loud voice. Come on, lift your voice and let's just love him now. I love you, Jesus, with all of my heart, God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated and realize you've been standing a while. Amen. The Apostle Paul writing here, and I, I won't take the time tonight to go through all of the texts that we have read, but it is talking about gifts and things uh, that the church is to do. Had a wonderful conversation with your pastor last night about the gift of God and, and that God does have gifts for the church. But in verse number three of our text, it's very clear to us, amen, that we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but we are to be sober. We ought to ponder, amen, the measure that God has given to us. It's something that I do find sobering that God ha out of its goodness has dealt to us who were once nothing and who were alienated from the presence of God but now he has called us nigh by his blood and he has given to us who were undeserving and unworthy. He has dealt to us a measure. He has given to us a measure. I find that a sobering thought. God trusted me so much that he dealt to me a measure of faith. And God has given to each of us the ability to determine our own fate. We get to choose our own eternity. God has given us that choice. You and I get to choose where we will spend eternity. Amen. To each were given to us the measure of faith and we can do with it what we want to do. We can invest it or we can squander it. Can I tell you as a parent one of the happiest days of my life was uh, seeing my son get a an amount of money for his birthday and, and I thought here we go. Toys are us. Here, here we go. We're, we're, we're going to Walmart. And, and But he said dad I would like for you to take me to the bank and uh, I thought wow I wonder what this is all about and he said I want to open an account at the bank could you help me do that and I said sure and the bank that we bank at inside of it is a Merrill Lynch investment office and as fate would have it all of the tellers were busy and out of the Merrill Lynch office stepped the manager of that investment firm and he said can I help you and I explained and he looked at the little tad of a lad that toddled along with me and he said son why don't you come with me and here goes my boy and I'm standing in the lobby laughing here comes the manager of Merrill Lynch amen he's got a hundred dollar bill my boy does and he, he's headed into the Merrill Lynch office like they're going to do a 10 million dollar deal and my son he has memorized his social security number he's got it all down and, and there he goes and he's sitting in a, a chair he, his feet can't touch the floor but he wants to invest what he had and I'm standing in the lobby just hee-hawing because I know he doesn't even know how to tie his shoes but that was a happy moment for me because he could have taken it and blown it on bubble gum in just a few minutes down at Circle K. But there was something that said, you know, I'd like to invest that. Can I challenge you tonight that God has dealt to each of us a measure and we can do with it what we want to. We can squander it or we can invest it. Amen. It's not a flame of fire that he has given to us. He gave us a spark and we do with it what we want to. Amen. We can fan it and kindle it until it becomes a flame 
flame or we can quench it and snuff it out. I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, when he came to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is in you. I don't know what was going on in the young man's life, but it connotes to me, boy, you better go to that fire that once burned and you better dig around in those ashes until you find an ember and you stir it up until it burns in a flame again. Amen. Can I preach to us? God's given us a measure. He's put a spark in us. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to kindle it or are we going to quench it? The Bible says no man when if he when he lighteth a candle does he put it under a bushel and hide it? Can I propose to us tonight that when God gave us the Holy Ghost amen he sparked something inside of us and he didn't give us the Holy Ghost to keep it in the church and just run the aisles and dance and shout and praise God in the church but when he sparked that inside of us in Acts 1 and 8 he said you will be witnesses unto me can I ask the question again tonight amen what will you do with your measure what will you do with your measure Praise God. I hope you just preach with me a little bit tonight. I don't intend to be long-winded, but I do intend to be very direct here. I feel like the Lord has stirred me up to talk to us tonight. Matthew chapter number 25. And I know that I'm reaching, amen, to a, a very familiar text that you remember from Sunday school. But Matthew 25 tells us, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered delivered unto them his goods. He measured out to them that which was his. This was not the servant's goods, but this was the Lord and master's goods. And he brought them and he measured. He delivered it unto them. And unto the one he gave five talents, to another two, to the other one. Amen. To every man according to his several ability and straightway he took his journey. We know the story well how that when he returned, the one that had the five talents had invested he had taken the measure that had been given to him and he did something with it he gained another five talents likewise he that had received two also gained two but he that received one went and digged in the earth and he hid his Lord's money and after a long time those the, uh, the Lord of those servants cometh and he reckoneth with them he reckoneth with him and uh, then he finds out what had been done with the measure the one that had five had gained five and delivered to his lord ten amen the the the, the compliment that was given is I you've been faithful over a few things I will make you ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the lord likewise he that received two gained another two and delivered to him and again he receives the same compliment from the Lord and said, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he that had received one came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, here thou hast that is 
time but all of a sudden in verse number 26 the visage of the Lord changes and you see the ire and the anger the Lord answered and said thou wicked and slothful servant what have you done with the measure that I gave to you you knew that I was a hard man you knew that I was an investor you knew that I expected you to do something with what I gave to you and you went and hid it in the earth I want to take a moment here and point out to you, this was not that servant's money. This was the Lord's. Amen. That servant said, I was afraid. Can I tell you, this is not about you tonight. The measure that God has given to you is not about you. Amen. This is about him. He said, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and I gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers and then in my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents for ev- unto every one that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall it be taken away even that which he hath and cast that unprofitable listen to that that unprofitable that unprofitable that unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth can I ask the question and I'm not trying to be irritating tonight but what are you going to do with the measure that God has given to you In the parallel text, we read from Matthew 25, but it's parallel. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter number 19. The same story, only the words change from talents to pounds. But the Bible goes on after that story that Jesus tells, and it begins to tell, amen, about a cult. And Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem, and he tells his disciples, you go to such and such intersection, and you're gonna find a cult they're tied. Go and get it and bring it to me. And if anybody asks you what you do, you just tell them the Lord hath need. And the disciples go and they find as the Lord had told them, there is a cult there and they loose it. They untie it and they begin to lead it away and all of a sudden, amen, out steps the owner and says, hey, wait a minute. Where are you going with my cult? You don't have permission to do that. That's mine. But they turned and they said, the Lord hath need of it end of discussion there's no further exchange of words because that man understood if the Lord needs it it doesn't belong to me it doesn't belong to me he hath given me a measure and if the Lord needs it take it There's a tendency in us to say, wait a minute, that's mine. I worked hard to get that cult. Do you understand how I've trained that and, and had taken care of it? Amen, attended to its needs. But all of a sudden, amen, the bigger picture comes to this man. And he said, oh no, this isn't about me. This is about him. I went on reading. The Bible says Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem 
and his disciples in verse number uh, 37 they begin to cry out amen they begin to worship him amen for all that they had seen the Lord do and they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice saying blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest and some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him master rebuke thy disciples rebuke them tell them to be quiet but Jesus turned and answered to them and he said I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out amen they're doing with their measure exactly what I intended for them to do I put something in them and they are responding they are praising me they're worshiping me and oh, by the way, if they won't do anything with their measure, the rocks will cry out in their place. I'm gonna tell you tonight, I'm not gonna let a rock take my place. Oh no, he's given me a measure. I'm gonna do something with it. I'm not gonna let those granite boulders take my place. I'm not gonna let them take the measure that God has given to me. This text eerily follows a common theme. After that, Jesus begins his journey into Jerusalem. I can see him as he comes to an outcropping above the city and he looks over the precipice down to where Jerusalem is. Amen, the Bible says that he begins to lament and he weeps over that city and he said, if you had known if you had known even now at least in this thy day the things that belong unto thy peace but now they are hid from thine eyes and he goes on to foretell the destruction of Jerusalem and how uh, not one stone is going to be left upon another the trench is going to be compassed about the city and they're going to lay them even with the earth and he said these words because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation there was a measure that Jerusalem had but they did nothing with it he said if you had known if you had known what belonged unto thy peace but now it's hid from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation I'm going to preach to us tonight that we have been given a measure. Amen. What are you doing with it? Come on, do you understand this is the hour of your visitation? Do you understand the things that belong to your peace? Amen, if you would just take the measure that God has given to you and you would do something with it. Hey, don't be like the rich man that says, oh, look, my field's brought in plenty. What am I gonna do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build greater barns and then I'll sit back and take my knees. You don't know the hour of your visitation. Let me tell you, that increase wasn't about you. It was about him. Amen. We've gotta get over this being about us. I read in John chapter number six where there is a lad with a lunch. There's a lad with a lunch. 
There's no food for the people. But somewhere that little lad had to come forth. It's not much. It's not much. It's five loaves and two fishes. That's not a whole lot. But God, it's the measure that's been given unto me. I'm giving it back to you. I wonder what God could do if we would give him the measure that he's given to us. I wonder what kind of revival we could have if we would take that measure of faith that God has given to us and we would return it back to him. It's not much, but God, you can have it. If you can use it, here it is. Take it and do something with it. I read about Joseph in Genesis. Here he is. Amen, a young man sold into slavery, cast down into the pit, dredged up, sold into slavery, ends up down at Potiphar's house, but he got busy. I'm gonna tell you, Joseph had a measure that had been given unto him. He could have sat down, sucked his thumb, and had a first-class pity party, but he got busy. He started doing something with the measure that was given to him. Amen. He got busy in Potiphar's house. He got busy doing things, being productive and progressive. Then he got lied on. And everything he had fell apart and he finds himself in the dungeon again. But God was with him in the dungeon and he got busy in the dungeon. I may be in the dungeon, but you know what? I'm gonna take my measure and I'm gonna do something with it in the dungeon. I may not be able to see it very well down in the dungeon, but it's here and I'm gonna do something with it. It wasn't long till in his busyness he found favor with the jailer. And it wasn't long till he found favor with the butler, amen, and the baker. Amen, it wasn't long before he stands before Pharaoh. Why? Because a young man said, I'm doing something with my measure. I'm doing something with this. Amen. Well, he was doing good. He was climbing the corporate ladder. He was getting rich. Hold on a minute. When his brethren come to him after the death of their father, they were afraid. Joseph's going to kill us. Now he waited till daddy's dead, but now Joseph's going to get revenge. And Joseph had great insight. When they came looking for peace and, and, and reconciliation, they wanted, to, they wanted to make sure everything was all right. Joseph said, hold on a minute. This isn't about me. I didn't get here by myself. This was about God gave me a measure that took me down in the dungeon, took me down into the prison, and now here I am. And this wasn't about me. This was about him. Amen. God sent me here. You didn't send me here. God sent me here to save much people alive. Boy, I wish we could get that revelation that our measure that we've been given is not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. I'm not going to preach much longer. But I want to take us to an unnerving text. The book of Esther. Chapter number one. The Bible says that also, you understand what's going on in this passage? If I could just retract just a little bit. Ahasuerus is having a good time. 
they're having a good time. And the Bible says, not just to Hazarus, but in verse number nine of chapter number one, the Bible says, also Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged unto King Ahasuerus. Again, I want to point something out. It wasn't her house. It wasn't her house. It was the king's house. The Bible says on the seventh day when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Bagtha, Zether, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. But Vashti the queen refused to come at the king's commandment. She refused to come at the king's commandment. Then the king said to the wise men which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina, Sethar, uh, Adamatha, Tarshish, Mirez, Marcina, and Mimucum, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face and which sat the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law because she hath not performed the commandment of King Ahasuerus by the chamberlain? And Mimucum answered before the king and the princess, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the province of King Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. This caused a great deal of concern. But what are we going to do if it please the king? Verse number 19, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Medes and Persians that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she Vashti, you forgot something very important. Your beauty wasn't about you. That palace was not about you. All that artwork was not about you. That great feast that you made was not about you. It was all about the king and you forgot how many times do we get it in our mind that this is about us? This is about us. This is, it's not about us, my friend. God has given to us a measure. A hazardous gave to Vashti a measure. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. 
What are you doing with your measure? What are you doing, Vashti, with the measure? The king is beckoned, saying, come on. What have you done? Have you said, no, I don't have time. No, I got things to do. No, I know we're having revival, but I, I, I have this schedule ahead of time. Come on, Vashti, what are you doing with your measure? The beauty she possessed, her elevated position, the crown that she wore was not about Vashti and her little ladies group. This was about the king. And when the king heard that she refused, he burned. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? She has refused. I have given to her. I have blessed her. She hadn't had to pay one single bill. She hasn't had to wash one single dish. She didn't vacuum one single floor. And all I did was say, come here, I want the world to see how beautiful you are. What are we going to do? These counselors got together. They said there's only one thing that we're going to do. There's only one thing we can do. And that is Vashti has got to be banished. She can come no more before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. I'm going to tell you, we better be careful with the measure that God has given to us. Because if he beckons to us, if he calls in the wee hours of the night and we refuse, can I tell you, he'll find somebody that will answer. He'll find, I don't care how much he's blessed you and how important you think you are he'll find somebody that's better he'll find somebody that's more deserving he'll find somebody that's time to take your place and the king started looking and he found Esther Esther was the most beautiful among them because she didn't require all the other things that those heathen girls required to look pretty. Boy, I could take off preaching in a different direction right now, but I'll refrain that from that tonight. Just let me remind you, there's a certain look that the people of God Maybe I will pause a moment. Amen. Listen to me, young ladies. There's a beauty that you possess. Amen. That the world can't figure out. Amen. Jesus, amen, said, I'm going to beautify the meek with salvation. Amen. I'm going to beautify them with salvation. Amen. You don't need all that junk on your face and on your lips and dangling from your ears. Amen. There's a beauty, amen, that you have that surpasses all of them. 
Amen. My wife, I was talking to her late last night and she was laughing because they were in Walmart last night and some people came up and said, man, would you tell us how to do our hair like that? If you think they don't notice, you're thinking wrong. They notice. Amen. And the king noticed Esther. He noticed her and she didn't need all that other junk. Amen, I digress there. Let me get back to what will you do with your measure? What will you do with your measure? Amen, there was none like her. She needed nothing. Amen, her beauty came from God. Amen, then we find the plot of Haman. How that he is plotting against Mordecai and he's going to destroy the Jews. Amen, but Esther has been placed. Amen, a measure has been given to this beautiful young lady and God positioned her. Amen, for the right moment in time. Amen. When the plot of Haman was discovered and the decree was published throughout all the land in every province whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her and the queen was exceedingly grieved and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend unto her and gave him commandment uh, to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. Why are they lamenting? Mordecai tells Hatak all that had happened unto him. And the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them. To show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king. And to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai again. Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever whether man or woman shall come in unto the king to the inner court who is not called there is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live but I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days I've not been called. Amen. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape to the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. 
Don't you make a mistake, Esther. God dealt to you a measure. He put you in that place. And I know you're looking with fear and trepidation at the fact that you haven't been invited. But don't you forget, if you're not going to do anything with the measure, if you're not going to take advantage of the position, God's deliverance will come from somewhere else. And he said, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Would you stand with me tonight? Who knows, Esther? But you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hear me tonight. You've come for this time. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that God's blessed you the way he's blessed you. It's not an accident that God's given you the talent that you have. It's not a mistake. Just like it wasn't a mistake with Esther. But she had come to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you hold your peace, deliverance is going to come from somewhere else. And Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. You go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and you fast for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. But I got the picture. God's given me something. Esther finally came to understand the reason you're so beautiful is I need to use you. You've got to open the back door of that palace hallway and you've got to make that long, lonely walk to save my people. There's a reason you wear the crown. There's a reason that I gave you that beauty that you possess. How many young ladies have squandered the beauty that God had given them? Because they thought it was about them. No, God gave you that beauty. Amen. So the world would take notice. Amen. That hair. Amen. Was for your glory. To give to him. To him. That Holy Ghost that he gave you. Amen. Was so that you would be a witness to him. To him. What are you going to do with your measure? but I'm scared. I haven't been called. I don't know what to do. I'm intimidated. I'm fearful. Hey, where's an Esther? It'll say if I perish, I perish. But I've got a job to do. He's given me my measure. He's given me my measure. Well, I can't do very much. You can do something. You can do something. 
The Bible says that he dealt to every man in that passage in Matthew 25. He delivered unto every man according to his several ability. Not everybody has the same ability. And the text that we read in Romans 12 tells us as much. But we're all members of one body. We all have a And if God's measured something out to you, can I ask the question, what are you going to do with your measure? Well, this is about me. You know, God blessed me and my family so we could go to, we could go to Disneyland, go on a cruise, go on vacation. He, he blessed us so we could have a bigger house. And all. Wait, hold on a minute. What about him? What about him? What about him? I'm going to submit to us tonight that there are all kinds of talent all over this house. Well, I'm not very good at all kinds of these things. I I can't do it. Can you do something? Can you do something? God would rather you have one talent and do something with it rather than to squander it. I'm asking a question to New Life Pentecostal Church what are you going to do what are you going to do with your measure what are you going to do but, but, but I'm not real popular hey it doesn't take that can you do something can you do something for the church can you do something for the kingdom of God we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this Musicians, come. Come on, I'm pressing the church. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your talent? Maybe all you can do is carry out the trash after service. Well, if that's all you can do, can you do that? Can you do that? Well, I, 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 I don't know what I can do. Can you hand out a church card? Well, I'm I'm too shy. Can you pray for the pastor before he comes to the pulpit? Can you turn over the plate, push back from the dinner table and say, I'm praying about this service tonight. It is my firm contention that God has a purpose in every single service. God has a purpose in every single service. There's a measure in every single service. I can't tell you that we always get there, but we ought to always strive. I'm going to find the purpose for that service tonight. I'm going to find out what the need is in that service tonight. I don't believe we have church and God says, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to come tonight. There's a purpose in every single service. Tonight is, what are you going to do with your measure? What are you going to do with your measure? Come on, I'm talking to you tonight. What are you going to do with your measure? 
I hope I provoke something in the heart of an Esther tonight that says, you know what? I've come to the kingdom for this time. And if I perish, I perish. I'm not going to be afraid of taking the risk. If I perish, I perish. But there's a job to do. And there's a measure I've been given. I'm going to find the purpose in this service tonight. Come on, is there a saint of God that feels the tug and the pull of the responsibility of this service tonight that you would step out and say, I'm doing something with my measure. I'm doing something with my measure tonight. Come on, is there an Esther in the house? Come on, is there a Joseph in the house? You may feel like you're in the dark dungeon of life, but would you do something with your